0: Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team, cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello
1: everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 4, season 20. I genuinely hope you and yours are keeping well and safe during these troubled times. Um, Thank you all so far who've contributed to the good causes that we're trying to support around the world through our first responders, um, many of which have, have let us know but have wanted to remain anonymous. We won't tell people what what they've done but if you have done something thank you so much that is genuinely what we're trying to do here um this isn't an exercise just to put content out um per se it's it's just something that we're trying to do and trying to put stuff out that maybe we wouldn't normally put out or certainly not have the the chance to put out to the to the depths that we can go to during this time so i hope you are enjoying it so far um, as I say, we do appreciate it. There is a lot of content out there at the moment, uh, but if I can draw your attention to my esteemed Absolute Rally colleague, Trevor Agnew, who has brought out uh, his own um, podcast with regards to coaching and things like that, which is obviously a big part of what he's done. Uh, that's the, the, the podcast is called Stage by Stage. Um, last week, if you weren't aware of it, uh, he started off in a in known territory forum. him. He's got two Irish co-drivers, very, very well-known Irish co-drivers, Gordon Noble and Rory Kennedy. Who sat with you know every top line driver um, from that part of the world and then some. So uh, he he talks to them about how they got started and obviously tips and everything else. So it's it's very much of a coaching ethos and it will grow and it will probably uh, move away from rally eventually. Um, from from what from what Trevor tells me, it's about people you know who've become become successful and how they've done it and tips and things like that. So search it out, give it a listen, give it a like. Um, because as I say we're, we're all here to spread the love as it were so if you could do that that would be great Trev will be with us along with the other guys by the way towards the end of this season we're going to do a little bit of a, a little bit of a special with us all um, which I'm still working on the format how it's going to work but um, it's either going to be a bit like the Christmas quiz where it's going to be a disaster or it's going to be quite good so let's see shall we? There you go. Anyway, this week's podcast, um, as I mentioned last week, it, it's going to be a double bubble for you. Um, so it's got a bit of a mini theme running through. It's also a little bit of, uh, I suppose, history of, of, of how I got started in rallying as well with, with the guy who helped me, John Goff, who comes up towards the end of the podcast. But first up, we've got the man who put uh, the, the classic mini, um, if you like. I call it the classic mini. So the British Leyland mini, it's through its very final um, international Rally, it's a homologated vehicle and uh, it's Neil Burgess who who also works behind the scenes in WRC as well and you will see him on some BRC rounds and stuff like that but I'm not going to ruin it for you because uh, Neil and I talk a little bit about that stuff as well so first up we've got Neil Burgess talking about Mildred the Mini and going into a Rally GB This is Absolute Rally. As mentioned at the top uh, Neil Burgess joins us now. Neil thanks for joining us on Absolute Rally Thanks for having me. It's an honour. It's, well, uh, whoa, steady on, Neil. Steady on. <laughs> we, we've, we've known each other for ages and you are, to me, one of those faces. If people are in and around kind of the British Rally Championship and some WRC rounds, they would have encountered you perhaps around by the rally office at some point and probably not really known who you was other than that bloke with a computer. Is that, is that a fair analogy so far?
0: Yeah, um, these days I'm generally known for the one with uh, a green screen of computer code and, and just stuck to the computer in the corner. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I've been uh, been out driving and photographing in my past, so and co-driving. So
1: yeah. yeah. So what? Just, just we are going to talk about the, the driving escapades specifically 2003 very very shortly. But I know you obviously you get involved with GB and, and I think also you get involved in film. What is it? What is it you work on behind the scenes on those events?
0: So I'm working on the um, FIA info team bulletins. So it's basically uh, collating all the, the drivers' quotes from the under stages and uh, getting them out to the journalists and in any way we can to the public.
1: Wow. Wow, fair play. Do you know what, I genuinely have to say I've known you for such a long time and didn't <laughs> actually, just whenever I've done GB and stuff like that, you're always kind of just like, hey, you know what, Neil, as you're going through the rally office to sign an honour, whatever it may be, and uh, I have never actually knew what you were doing. I just knew you were doing something important, Neil. It has to be said.
0: I think it's just that uh, they can keep you locked away in an office and I won't cause any trouble yeah? <laughs>
1: You've got, uh, away from green screens and typing and, and keeping keeping you away from the general public, if that sounds right. Um, you've got this incredible history, if you scratch beneath the surface, very, very lightly with Minnie. And I spoke about this a little bit last week. Minnie's become a bit of a, 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 a source of, of, of inspiration during lockdown in our house because my son's now become obsessed with them. And I started showing him pictures on Instagram and you put st- pictures up of Mildred and stuff like that when did mini first kind of come across the bows for you with regards to getting involved in competition with a mini
0: um quite late really i mean i i grew up in north london so um there's not really any rallies that happen in our neighborhood um but i remember <laughs> as a kid sort of running home to to watch the rally gb coverage with uh william, william Willard and my camera and there's something about the, the spirit of adventure that captured me um and the years went by and you know, got interested in other things, computers and such like. And, um, and then I, I was looking for a first car. Being um, six foot two, Mini wasn't my first choice particularly, but um, a friend gave me a lift home from school in it and I fitted. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, they looked kind of interesting and I could potentially afford one that, that wasn't a complete rust bucket, although my first one was a complete <laughs> rust bucket. And, um, and so I got one, started going to... To mini clubs and things, uh, talks by Paddy Hopkirk, Stuart Turner, and they they fired off the interest in rallying again, um, and yeah, it, it just completely got under my skin.
1: So uh, you know, your, your mini was called Mildred, and to me, it's probably a start from the, the Paddy Hopkirk's mini, which 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 we, which we all know. Um, to me, it's it's almost it's 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 almost like the bridesmaid to that because. <laughs> I, I, the registration was very very um a13 gpa which to me was always now i'm going to ask this and i'm going to make an ask myself asking this question uh group a 1300 is that have i got this right
0: yeah yeah that's all right yeah.
1: i felt i felt silly i felt you you left me hanging there for a second <laughs> yeah. no
0: no that's that's right it was um it was a bit of a backup plan really we, we bought it as a a pre-prepared rally car that we knew needed a lot of work, and uh, and I figured that if it didn't work out, I could sell the number plate to a, a Ford KA rally car owner, and uh, and get the money back. So uh, yes, luckily <laughs> I didn't need to do that.
1: <laughs> a bit of genius there. So you 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 bought the car. Now I remember vaguely because you you started <clears throat> not a million miles away from around the time that I started rallying. So, um. It was just before the ill filth ill and mouth thing, which was in, in, in 2001. I'd started kind of three or four years before that, but seriously, it was around 2000. And you were doing, you were doing the tarmac championship. Yeah, was, was that where you first, where you first started? Because you didn't go on gravel, did you originally?
0: No, I didn't. Um, I started racing. Uh, a friend uh, went racing, racing minis, of course, and I realised it was something that I could do that didn't involve a team. Um, going racing. Apart from teaching me a lot about driving and cars, I also found that that a lot of my friends in the local clubs and things wanted to get involved, so that then opened the door for rallying. Um, So the first rally, I I did some rally co-driving for Alison Locke, um, in a classic Mini. Spanish <laughs> uh, surprise. I mean, surprise. <laughs> yeah, the first rally I actually drove was a, a single venue at Snetterton in the race car. Uh, we chucked another seat in it, put another extinguisher in it, and, uh, and off we went. Um, and we did quite well, but I think that was uh, a lot. Of, I mean, the, the engine in that car was standard, but uh, because the car was set up for tarmac circuits. And uh, having, gr- having grown up a million miles away from forests. Tarmac seemed to be my natural thing. So you then progressed to the uh, National Tarmac Rally Championship.
1: And uh, what I'm always fascinated by when when people kind of like yourself just described there, you, you went into the National Tarmac Championship and, um, you know, there's some some really tough rallies in that, in, in that series. You know, I'm thinking back to around that period, you've got the likes of Eppens, which I, I genuinely have a I'm nothing against it. I just don't get on with Eppens, and it's one of those players. I've done Ulster, I've done the Manx, I've done Jim Clark, but Eppens is the one that always kind of makes me feel that moment. You know, when you when you go over the crest, and you have that little moment where you go, "Ooh!" Whenever I even see the word Eppens, I get that "Ooh!" moment for some reason.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it was our first multi venue rally. Wow! And uh, yeah, when you're it was our first Pace Noted Rally as well. Um, and uh, it's got a particular thing, at Epping that um, all the passing places on the roads are on the crests. So just as you come up to a crest, the road gets a bit wider. So you don't know whether it's going left, right or straight on. Um, so, uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, learning, uh, trying to build up confidence in listening to Pace Notes at that event.
1: <laughs> I, sup- I suppose, you know, and, and we, we have to be fair, people in the UK will know, where Eppence is, it's actually the military ranges, but for, for, for our listeners outside, basically Eppence is, is is almost like a. a, a am I might put me straight here by all means, Neil, but to me, uh, it's almost like a. a, a, a it's, well, it's got its own little village in it, isn't it? Because it's basically designed for, for military training. So they've got kind of mock houses and things like that. Uh, and the roads are incredibly, you know, the, the, the roads are a really, really good quality, aren't they? But it, it's just kind of got this airiness about it, I think.
0: It's amazing, Yeah, I can remember just driving along of the road sections once and there was nobody in sight and just the red flags, the red flags for the rifle range were up because of the rally, but um, most eerie place. But uh, I can remember once as well we serviced in German Village and uh, one of our suspension bushes was causing problems and the service crew quite resourcefully found a burnt out Mini that the Army had been using for target practice <laughs> and started nicking a bush off it much to the bemusement of the uh, local Army Land Rover that trundled by, had a look and thought, just leave them to it and carry on.
1: <laughs> there you go, resourcefulness at its best with, with, with a service crew. Resourcefulness is its best. Um, uh, you had... Th- obviously you had that kind of year, I suppose to, to learn was that, was was there, you know, you, you described a little bit like my relationship, I suppose, with Rally GB is that I felt a million miles away from it, even though North Wales and rallying wasn't that far away, but just being a city kid, as it were, but, you know, GB was, or, or the RAC, whatever name you want to give it was, was the one I always kind of dreamt to do. And the one that I always wanted to do was that, on the radar for you because I like you. I used to go running home and watch the, you know, the, the the BBC roundup. Is that is that why you ended up going to gravel because of that inspiration of of, of watching it and that's what you've seen on TV? as opposed as a guest to Tarmac
0: rally? To be honest, I never really dreamt of doing Rally GB. It okay. Was, it was the, the one I used to watch on telly. It was the first one I went to see, but it seemed so far away from. What I could achieve uh, with initially just starting out as me preparing a car and then uh, then you know the friends getting involved, it, it just seemed it was like saying right I've just learned how to fly let's let's set the moon as my target. <laughs> um, it, it just seemed to be another world. Um, first gravel rally was our first round of the British Rally Championship. Um, have uh, done the tarmac championship. Else. We thought, right, let's do it. Let's bite the bullet. Let's have a go at the British. I um, knew Grayson Alley that competed a in it before and obviously various people you, you meet when you're rallying. Um, so, uh, so we thought that was attainable. And that was quite a leap to go from national rallying up to the British with international regulations and things. Um, it was while we were in the British Championship that we started looking at, at international rounds. And we actually entered the Monte Carlo rally in 2003, only to be told there wasn't a class for us. Wow. Um, so oh, the irony? yes 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 I'd, I'd like to think that um that some people in their rally office saw what we did later on that year but uh yes
1: <laughs> it's just it's just the, the bizarre irony behind that statement alone when you think about how the name was i suppose made is that you know my, to me mini on monte carlo is mini you know that's that that's it that's that's the picture in my head of, of, yeah. of a rally mini is, is a mini on monte.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and it's still an event I aim to do in, in one form or the other. That's, that's a dream event. Um, but, um, but I mean, I, I guess Rally GB was just so tough. You know, we, we were, particularly in 2003, we were struggling to, to keep the car together, uh, on, in the British rounds. Um, and you know, various bits were breaking unconnected bits, no matter how many bits we changed, we would break something completely different. And, uh, and it was tough. Even even the event before Rally GB, we broke a steering arm just before a, a massive drop on the track rod rally. So uh, it was um, it was a, a challenging year. Um, and then uh, then I got a phone call from Jim Holder saying, "Do you want to do Rally GB?" Which of course I said, "If Anna, my current co-driver, agrees to step into a team management role, then yes, <laughs> give me your arm." <laughs> yeah.
1: So that so and and that's what I kind of. Wanted to talk to you about because th- that period of the time you just talked about specifically was when you started in in BRC the same year as me in 2002, the year after foot and mouth, and then going into to 03. I also continued into BRC, but I only did a part program in 03. But I was, you know, I can remember being so envious of seeing because you were the quintessential, and I've said this so many times on the podcast when I used to watch. When I see footage and when I see um, rallying, while it's fantastic to see the works teams and things like that. And it was always good to see them. I always used to love, and again, go back to coverage I suppose, to the RAC. You know, Tony Mason wandering round a random car park in the middle of nowhere with some bloke sat on the boot of a, you know, a Ganada estate, cooking on a on a on a on a on a, um, a camping stove uh you know a bacon butty for the crew that's just coming you know that that basically the people at the back of the field because to me they're always the heroes and you know i ended up becoming one of those people at the back of the field for, for three or four years and you know that was my inspiration because i always felt that bit i could do that you know looking at the work teams i was you know a bit like what you were saying before i could never do that but the the people at the back of the field it made it look achievable is that is that what you took from it as well
0: yeah i mean it's the whole spirit of adventure thing really um you're going out there and you're you're battling the stage and the, the conditions um rather than the racing that was it, sticking your elbows out and trying to fight your way around a corner at times um it, it's um it was definitely the spirit of adventure and and you know other people getting involved in that you know happy days you know it's uh, it's great the service crew and, and obviously the fans and things um but certainly uh I mean, in theory, we could have won Rally GV if everyone else in, in front of us dropped off, uh, which a lot of them did. Um, but ultimately, we could have won it, which you don't get that with Formula One. Yeah. Um, in On the Jim Clark rally, they ran the first stage round Ocean Terminal in, in reverse order, and we, we beat the next few cars. We were the first on the road, beat the next few cars. We were topping the sheets for a while, <laughs> <laughs> which in a, in a mini, classic mini, you uh, know, you, you just don't get you know? it was certainly uh, something something special
1: yeah i did, well you know I, before we get to G i want to kind of just briefly talk to you about um actually driving you know I, i've i've I, my first car was a minivan as an example um i got that when i was 15 and tinkered on it and things like that um and probably drove it when i shouldn't have done but anyway, that's a different conversation with a different day, officer. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, that's kind of my, my introduction. in. And, you know, even today, you know, my, my wife's got a uh, classic mini, as we, we spoke about before we started recording this. It still feels like 100 mile an hour. And especially in, in, in modern traffic, it's still, you know, if, if you, feel, you, you feel like you shouldn't really be in that car. It shouldn't really be real. And you shouldn't really be on the road, in, especially in today's traffic. But in a rally scenario, and you know, you know, a group A one. You know what? Realistically, there's not a lot of weight to them. You're 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 probably just one of the slightest men I think I've ever met <laughs> as well. Um, you know, they can get a serious rate of knots on a straight line. You know what? What was what was your mini geared for?
0: Um, I didn't look when we were going at full track, to be honest down the single track tarmac road. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the um i mean we, we in international spec we had to carry about 100 kilos of lead um right because of the regulations we carried a bit less than gb because we added a lot more guards and things to it um but um but that we certainly felt that weight compared to a a non-international event when we uh, heaved it all out um we painted it gold of course it was our out <laughs>
1: nice top of the car. yeah <laughs>
0: um but yeah, I've always likened driving a Mini to to wearing a superhero suit. Really, you, you're you're so in touch with everything. Everything's so direct. I can, I, as I mentioned, I'm about six foot two, so I can reach out with my left arm and, and brush the left hand door. Um, and there's one event we completely misjudged my braking for a, a chicane made out of bales, so we basically breathed in and squeezed in between a couple of them. Um, <laughs> And, and much of the Marshall's disbelief, I think, but, um, it's, yeah, it, it, it brings its own special problems on a rally stage. Um, it's a lot more skittery, uh, with the suspension. We ended up with Olin suspension on it that helped out a lot, but we were pace noting every pothole, every clip, glitch and dip in the road because it would upset the car, um, and um, particularly on, say, GB, when the, the road conditions were changing so much, that was real trouble to deal with. And also on, on gravel events, when you, when the stages started rutting up, um, we were the wrong wheel wheelbase um, yep. track. Um, so uh, we didn't fit in the grooves that everyone else made. Um, so there was times we uh, say around corners when you've got the grooves in the track and all the gravels pushed up out of those grooves. Uh, we were kind of surfing on the gravel that had been pushed up because if we'd have ended up in any of the ruts, we'd have ended up with wheels in fresh air and yeah. kind of not particularly matching the ruts. And um, for GV, say we uh, we used the regulations for the exhaust guard to build a effectively a toboggan under the full length of the car because we had a centre exit exhaust, so we extended the sump guard to go the full length, and um, and then we could just you know skate along some bits of the. Uh, the track where we couldn't couldn't get any traction on the wheels we just carried enough speed through and uh and tobogganed
1: <laughs> i you know it's i had a similar ish with the st uh the first year we did gb because obviously there wasn't that many other cars in front of us that were front wheel drive um so you know we have wheel cars then r5 cars and then us basically so we're a, we were a slightly different track so i completely and utterly I completely and utterly relate to that, but I didn't have the foresight uh, to, to put a skid on my exhaust. Um, so, yeah, it took a bit of a battering, it took a bit of a battering.
0: But when you come around the corner and you find the corner just littered with house bricks, Yeah, the, the, the world cars are pulled up and things, and you're just thinking... I've got to find a way through this, but you've
1: only got a millisecond to think that, so. Yeah. It's, it's like it's, it's some of the boulders and stuff that you see when you come round and, I, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. genuinely, you think they should have their own postcode, let alone, yeah. you know, there's just, <laughs> there's people who've bought islands smaller. I think that's the way to look at it. But Definitely. going in, going into 03, did you have, I know you said, and we'll, we'll talk about Jim uh, in a second, but how far into 03 was it before GB? became a realistic possibility. And, and and I'm guessing because of your he- heritage with, with, with MINI and everything else, you were very much aware it was kind of the last chance of, of an international, you know, an international rally for a MINI as well. So, but
0: how far into the season were you? Um, I think we were a couple of, one or two rounds of uh, the BRC into the season. Um, I was actually just packing my bags to do a tour of the country on a motorised double bed at the time. Obviously, right. obviously,
1: that's how that happens.
0: As you do. <laughs> um, uh, yes, one of Ed China's wonderful creations. And, um, and yeah, I just got this phone call from Jim and apparently he'd asked around the MN offices and uh, I think I was quite notorious at the time for various um, PR stunts and just being a bit of a lunatic in a mini on, on GB for somebody that might be up for, for a novice journalist co-driving on a world event. Yeah um yes so as i say yeah yes was obviously the answer
1: now the the the, the thing is is that you know i think the pr that you know obviously you 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 come from that kind of background anyway and obviously you've just been talking about being on a motorized bed as a classic example but uh, you know you you got some major people involved you know i can remember uh looking at it and seeing like of ikea on the car and things like that and you're thinking wow is that just somebody in ikea that's kind of seen the idea and went we should be part of that how how did you get some of those brands involved
0: um ikea was actually they were looking to sponsor the events um wow uh yeah and and they wanted to sponsor a car as well so they looked down the entry list and picked out the blue one (laughs) (laughs) Um, they pulled it they ended up pulling out of everything else but um but but kept the support for us and well, we ended up in almost every national paper as well as the uh, the Channel 4 WRC coverage that went global at the time in the Shakedown program. And on the event, we did a did some shooting with Paddy Hopkirk at the, uh, um, the British Motor Museum at Gaydon um, before that event. And uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I don't think they quite bargained for the, the publicity they got. It's just a shame they didn't come on board more with rallying, really, in, in whatever form. But uh, yeah, well, um, yeah. It was what? luck.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, well let's listen, that, there's a lot of that in rallying, right? I, I don't call it luck. Right price, right time as well. Yeah. I think you, yeah. you have to uh, qualify a little bit. But you just mentioned, obviously, Jim was with, I'm guessing, that period. Was Jim with MN at the time?
0: Yeah, he was deputy editor, editor of Motorsport. That's right. Um, so because of that coverage, we ended up, yeah, Yeri Matti Latvala was doing the, the British Championship at the time. Um, so we did a photo shoot with him at the, the Track roll Rally, um, which we didn't compete on, but we did the photo shoot with him before the event. Um, Carl Williams and his co-driver was our, um, uh, our chase car crew on the racquet. Um He was looking after us, which was good, and he did some various bits of paperwork for us and some training for Jim. Um, Paddy Hopkirk was checking up on us, and um, uh, Paul Easter that co-drove for Timo and in. in 1965 when they won the Monty uh, was very supportive and uh, it, it's it's amazing competing a Mini because everyone's got a Mini story. Um, Phil Short that worked for Ford I think at the time. Um, he is a great Mini man. Um, we bumped into him a couple of times on the event in 2003 and uh, we actually had a problem at one time and, and uh, all the Ford mechanics and Subaru mechanics came over to help. Um, and we ended up in the Ford press release for that. I, I worried about <laughs> his crew a bit, but <laughs> um, it, it was just, yeah, it, when you compete a Mini, it's it quite... Um, a, a story from the first round of the British Championship was when we rocked up to uh, scrutineering and Peter Klingon was doing the, uh, the environmental scrutineering. So uh, he had his little checklist. It's like, you've got your environmental pack? Yes. You've got catalytic converter? No. And the look on his face is he thought he'd have to throw us out of the event because he's a mini-man, as we yeah. found out later as well. And uh, then I waved my V5 at him, showing it was a 25th anniversary mini from uh, 1984. Um, so uh, so we didn't actually need a catalytic converter to the road road regulations, even though we were running fuel-injected in the latest spec. Um, and so we didn't need a cat and uh, the relief on his, his face. <laughs> 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 yeah, you, you, to be
1: fair as well, I suppose being an affable chap across the board you know uh, does help because that's the other thing i can't imagine there's many not non-affable people that would go to the 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 trials and tribulations of actually rallying one properly as well i think that's the other thing i think the goodwill as you've just said everyone has got a mini story but you can't give somebody with a mini hard time even if you're not an enthusiast can you
0: well i mean uh, you know we were at times it was massively stressful we had a About three million things running through your head, but it was just amazing to be there, and you know you you couldn't help but to be grateful just to actually be on the entry list for these events, let alone getting the support that we did. So um, yeah, it's I mean you know today just turn up to an event, it's just fantastic to be there, uh, rallying such a wonderful, friendly sport. And uh, and how many adventures are there these days? You know it's. it's just a great thing to be involved with in any form.
1: Absolutely. Was it, was it a conscious decision to, to retire Mildred straight after that event?
0: Um, it wasn't, it was largely a financial decision initially. Um, then we did the Rockingham stages in 2005 and we did a few bits in 2009. Um, but, uh, the last event I did, uh, with her was at Long Cross in 09 and we had a, we had an off and um, luckily there wasn't any trees in the way. And, um, and then through the rest of the event, I was basically, you know, backing off in places I shouldn't have backed off and just thinking I care too much about this car. You know, it's just she's too much of the family. When, when I bought that, when I bought the race car, I wasn't going to care about it. And then Corgi made a model of it and we got attached to it. <laughs> I bought a rally car, I'm not going to care about that. And we had all the British Championship Adventures, Rally GB and Corgi made a model of it. And now I care too much about it. So, well, yeah, had to stop rallying it and get another one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I suppose we, we should probably come a little bit up to date with what, what you are doing these days. I suppose, uh, is it fair to say off the back of all that? Would you would you say that's where it all, you know, well, it, it's where it all started, but definitely it's gave you such a, a notoriety. And, and the other thing I guess I, I get from you as well, when, when I read some of the stuff that you're doing and things, is that, you know, there was definitely this the, uh, snobbery would be the wrong word, but there was definitely a them and others at one point with between the, the the now modern BMW Mini and you know obviously the, the the original Mini, whereas you seem to have embraced both equally to some degree.
0: Yeah, uh, you you still find it in some quarters, and it's uh, it's not something I've particularly understood. I mean, yes, the new Mini is is very different. To the, the old one but uh, but the first of the new minis the r50s and 53s were developed by rover and um uh, if you I, i'm a great one for technology and, and advancement i'm always getting the latest greatest gadget and playing with things um and uh, and the mini never really progressed it, it got fuel injection and things later in its life simply to get it through the emissions regulations um but what they did with the, the new mini was they imagined what would have happened if it had progressed they went through a load of design studies and and that's what they ended up with now um you can obviously say a lot about the size you can it, it's definitely a, a more luxurious car now um but to drive it there's still there's still something special about it my my road car is one of the supercharged ones and the noises that makes um the sounds that makes it's um it's definitely different to every other car on the road, unless you spend a, a lot of money and get a supercar. So, um, <laughs> those being out of my my range, uh, the Mini still got that thing that is an affordable fun car, really. And
1: I know, obviously, you're still write for for, for various publications as well, and you are now working on. Uh, is it is it is it a supercharged one that you're working on now?
0: It's actually the the turbocharged price. Okay. An R56, um, yeah, and I'm writing development of that up on Performance Mini and doing various YouTube videos and that mixed with some, some classic Mini stuff. Um, yeah, I, I looked at the Supercharged ones because I do enjoy them so much, but um, if you go to forced, uh, forced induction, um, then you're already up against the bigger cars, um, Subarus and things, so, uh, so I figured going for the turbo gave me more opportunity for power than the Supercharged one did. So, uh, yeah, go for broke. Give it a go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so competition, the, the helmet, the gloves, the race suit, they are going to get dusted down again in, in some point in the future, obviously, all things considered.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, new helmet. Um, I, I bought the car a, a couple of years ago, um, and the engine promptly went pop, so that delayed me a bit rebuilding that. Um, I was planning to do um, quite a few sprints and hill climbs and things this year, which are obviously on hold. Um, but I'm hoping to hit the stages next year with, with the Hertfordshire Rally, which uh, I, I never thought I'd see a rally in Hertfordshire. The first one was supposed to be this year, um, which I've, I wouldn't have been able to make as a competitor. But um, I'm really hoping I can get out on that first Hertfordshire Rally next year. I'll be as rusty as anything if I don't do any sprints and hill climbs this year. But um, hey, yeah. there's only one way to, uh, to oil the wheel, wheels, isn't there? And that's to get out and play. So Absolutely. So if
1: if people want to keep up to date with with what you're doing with that stuff, I suppose Instagram is a really, really good platform, isn't it? For for you and you put I know you put stuff out there anyway, but is that a good place for people to to check in and see how the projects are going?
0: Yeah, Instagram, Twitter and and YouTube, uh, all under Neil Burgess. So, yeah,
1: there you go. Neil, thank you for sharing the tales. This has okay. been specifically recorded for one little boy and probably in about two years' time when he can understand a little bit more, I'll play it to him. But uh, in the meantime, this is for everybody else. Uh, folks, we'll be back after this break.
0: This is
1: Absolute Rally. So uh, our next chat in the Absolute Rally gathering of chats is with somebody that uh somebody i've known for quite some time and somebody that probably most people at probably a certain level i think it's fair to say i've i've known about for a great deal of time here in the uk john goff uh, welcome to absolute rally yeah good morning oh, good evening good morning it's good it's good evening well whatever <laughs> that's the beauty of podcast you never know when anyone's gonna listen yeah so uh, you've been around for pretty much all of my rallying life but so many other people's rallying lives before we kind of jump to to what you've done with getting new people into the sport and stuff like that I suppose you, we, we kind of start briefly at the beginning and go where did rallying kind of come into it, it come across you all, where, where did it all start for you?
2: Well as you well know I've, I've been in it all my life I got asked uh, a after- Vacate school one day because I'd been off to watch the golf international rally, and uh, I was asked to go on that by my mentor and uh, boss at the time, who I went to work for, and uh, missed all my exams, and they asked me to leave. And when I got back, and thought I was wasting their time and mine, so uh, I got into it at a very early age. I was probably into it at around twelve or thirteen, Tony. Wow,
1: wow. Mm. So, uh, if memory set for you, you're you obviously you're you're, you're, a, you're a Shropshire lad. We're church lad, born and bred, as it were. Uh, Road rallying was quite a big thing uh, back in those days, wasn't it? That's where kind of everybody kind of kind of cut the teeth, I suppose. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think all the, the motoring news guys that were about at the time, and the championship was without doubt the pinnacle in the sport at the time, I think that there were some tremendous drivers come from that uh, era, like uh, my boss Frank Pearson and uh, the likes of Brooks and Rocky and people like that. that it, it was just a wealth of talent that was coming through that eventually ended up on the stages. Uh, it's
1: a, and that's the thing, you know, people kind of forget now that, the, that you know, Road rallying now is, especially, you know, in UK and Ireland and places like that. I don't really know much about it in the rest of the world. Please, if, if you are road rallying anywhere else in the world, let me know. I'll be fascinated to know. But, um, uh, people don't kind of realize that there was, you know, what was, what's now seen as a bit of an underground part of the sport. And a lot of people, you know, even I struggle to get my head around it sometimes. And I've kind of been in stage rallying for 20 plus years, 25 years nearly. Um, that, that was the main part of rallying. That, that that was it that was rallying
2: well yeah without without doubt road rally and as i said the Motor news was 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 the pinnacle like we all went out on our saturday night jaunts to somewhere in deepest wales probably uh, to watch the, the the best drivers the uk had to offer And that, that, that's still the same in stage rallying today but it was down country lanes in where you could hardly get you know your car down but you got to a junction and there'd be probably 500 people stood at a junction it's still it's still very popular today but they've changed the rules so much it it seems to have lost it maybe uh, it's star quality maybe so to speak with with uh with the uh, you know the the competitors as it were everybody just jumps into stage rallying at the first opportunity maybe nowadays can you
1: remember where the fork in the road was where kind of stage rallying did start becoming? uh the the, the thing to to, to to kind of go to or certainly progress to anyway because you know back in that period you know you had people who were rally, you know road rallying kind of proper what we would call proper cars you know period cars um where was that jump what what kind of era was that what what year was that where where stage rallying kind of started to take hold
2: Well, I think it was still, I think, I think they still overlapped quite a bit because basically, you know, when we talk about stage rallying, I think, I think we start at stage rallying without shadow of a doubt with, with the, the the flying fins and the Scandinavians and all this sort of thing. And they were, they were coming to us in the, in the sixties, mid sixties in, in their, their numbers. So the, whilst the road rallying was, was, tremendously hot from the mid 60s all the way through the 70s like you know it, it, i think the 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 stage events and, and and what we saw we saw these famous flying fins as we call them nowadays and they call them even then you know come over to our shores and do our events and uh, uh, and we we just looked at all to say wow what was all this about you know it, 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 they, they took driving uh, to a different level, luckily it it, uh, it wasn't the same for me because I got taught by, as you well know, Frank Pearson and Frank's style then was very much as we are today with minimalisation and don't do it sort of thing unless you've got to and, and, and so we went from the Scandinavian style of driving uh, 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 which everybody copied, they were, they, they were fantastic periods.
1: Well, obviously you started very, very young, Did, was the inspiration to I'm assuming at that point it was to drive, you know, it was to go and do these events. I'm assuming you wanted to be in a in a cortina or a, or, or an escort, or whatever it may be, doing the events, I suppose.
2: Uh, I don't I don't think driving I, I think my my career in, in the sport has basically not particularly been about driving I, th- I presume I wanted to drive because even at the age of 12 I was driving combine harvesters and tractors for Frank and all sorts of manner of things to, uh, you know big Arctic trucks even back in the day uh, where anything I could get behind the steering wheel I was away I was a bit like your Johnny is today sort of thing <laughs> but it, uh, it's one of those things where you know driving yes I, I never ever ever wanted to emulate anybody's uh, talent, as it were, because it was quickly realised there wasn't any there. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: you you, you say that, obviously, you you started stage rallying yourself. You know, there's been some great images. This is the, you know, know, if there is a good thing about this lockdown period, people have kind of gone through the archives and, you know, pulled out pictures of people that, you know, you know, rallying and things like that, and I've, I've seen some pictures of you in, in, in one of the escorts that I seem to remember. I think from the school. I'm not entirely sure, but um, yeah, there must have been a period. And, and it's to be fair, you've preempted where I was going to go with this. But where was the period where you stopped driving, um, where you stopped kind of going into a year where you think, right, okay, I'm going to do five rallies a year or six rallies a year? Where, can you remember when that period was?
2: Oh, uh, I. I never, I don't, I don't think I even got into it, Tony. Totally. I can't, I can't recall even doing a, a championship seriously, to be honest. Uh, my, my, I started holding onto the back of pro cage in the Mark One Cortina GT with Frank uh, on the Motor News Rally Championship. That's where my career started, and I never ever got away from what he was doing and and, and how the sport was being uh, moulded, as it were. You know, yes, I've, I've done some stagey rallies, and I did a lot of road rallies, but I think from a very early age, the fact that I, I worked for Frank and it was Pierce Tune at the time, I, I think my my footsteps were already moulded, even right from those early days. I, I, if I had a car there and there was an event I could go and enter, I, I'd go and enter it. Like, right? But I, I never ever took driving at because I've co-driven as well. I've, I've never ever took any of that to the serious steps of saying, right, we're going to go out and win a championship. I've took it with a, a pleasure. If it was there, I took it sort of thing.
1: Right? Mm. Um- so uh, you you came to obviously it, it came to the sport via, via that way and then if we can kind of fast forward on a little bit and this is the bit obviously where it becomes fascinating for me because obviously there was this was part of my story as well which is how this has kind of come about a little bit you then uh, a few years later you start the rally school when to me it probably wasn't quite that fashionable to start a rally school at that point or have I got that Have I got that wrong?
2: Mm, Well, maybe a bit, because basically I I left Frank uh, and started my own engineering engine building company myself. And we built a front-wheel drive car and a rear-wheel drive car uh, to lend to customers because in them days, to get any engineering work completed, sometimes it took longer than the drivers. Mind me, that's probably the same today. It uh, took longer than the drivers actually expected to. Uh, so I had a couple of cars where I used to loan out to c- customers uh, if their car wasn't ready and I was sitting in... I'm in a cup of coffee one day and somebody mentioned rally schools and I looked into it. I thought, well, hang on, we've got a couple of these cars already. Uh, let's look into it. So yeah, that's that's where the idea came from. We were a engine business, really, a motorsport competition car business, and then uh, the rally schools come across by chance purely because we we'd got a couple of cars just sitting there in the week not being used, and uh, and they were the cars occasionally I used to use anyway. Like, but. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's that's where it come from, the idea of the, the rally school. So, so what, what year would that have been then? 89 was when we first started Shropshire Rally School. Uh, I don't think there was a lot about it. I, I knew the Churchills, I knew uh, that sort of place, and uh, Silverstone, and I think Bill Bill was one of the front runners, and maybe even Phil Price was as well. So Phil was there probably. So uh, it was probably only a four or five maybe in the country, maybe at the time.
1: So... The rally school was there to, to kind of, I suppose, prop up or, or, or have as a nice sideline for, for the engine building. But of course, we all know now the benefit of hindsight looking back that the, the, the brand was certainly to me and I guess the people in rallying became one of, you know, of, of, a, of a successful rally team.
2: Well, yeah, you know, we 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 obviously wanted our engines to win, which which in all fairness they, they, they didn't do so badly. Uh, but then then the school sort of like same with everything. It, it, it all grows and manifests into something else. We in all fairness we created a a bit of a monster with the rally schools. Uh, by the end of when we sold it, it it, it was it was a very very big business for a for a very small you know body of people to be running sort of thing. So we. It it was one of those things that manifested into something quite large, but we've always maintained that it it was, you know, it was always about the school and the identity of the school, really, and about individuals. So, you know, it it always took ticks along like that.
1: Absolutely. But, you know, what started to happen was, is that, you know, initially the Shropshire Valley School brand, you know, you think about, you start in an 89, um, you know, I can remember seeing, you know, the logo on, on different cars. And then all of a sudden we get into, you know, the K a series, which is where I first mm-hmm. noticed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was, you know, a fantastic, you know, this is when we go back and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about this in a second, but we had these groups of one make championships and the K a series with, you know, with, with the support network that, w- that was there all of a sudden um, you were there. So that was, that was a big commitment, I suppose, for you to make to go into you know um, a, an international championship, I suppose.
2: Yeah, it, it was, and that that was why Shropshire Railway School, as we called it back then, it, 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 was, it was very difficult. We, we couldn't have done it without the, the sponsors. Sponsors nowadays are very difficult to find, as you know, and basically back then days... Uh, it was, it was easier to get a sponsor on board than it is today, maybe, but, you know, to, to get the money we needed, we had to basically find people to put on the side of the cars, which we did with, with you know, again, reasonable success, but uh, what happened then was the, the, the Shropshire Alley School started to outgrow itself a little bit, so we had to look further afield and we then opened up Worcester and Oxford and things like that and obviously the, the name Shropshire Rally School didn't quite fit when you were down in Oxford so we, we come up with a name that probably most people would recognise us from today uh, is rallyschool.co.uk and, and that was probably one of the the best moves we ever made to be honest um, I've,
1: I've, I've got to ask because you know I can remember, you know certainly obviously I worked at the school, you know various times uh over over the last 20 odd years before you sold it but um there was definitely um this thing that it was very successful and obviously you 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 kind of trade stay quite true to to what you did you, you there was the flirtations with a couple of escort cosworths which i can remember but on the whole the ethos that you, you worked to was was kind of small front wheel drive you know um, uh, cars, you know the KAs, the Polos, and then obviously moving into stuff that obviously you built as well. What was the what was the decision behind that? Because at the time, I'm sure when things were, were when when things were flush, it would have been very very easy to go into you know a Group N. Um, in Pretor or a group A in and, and push the business. I suppose that way. What What was the What was the th- the, th- the thought process behind staying with small cars?
2: Well, I think I think as you said before, it, 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 the one-make challenges have always been a, 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 a real draw to us because I I love the opportunity to to put my skills and uh, drivers and crew skills against on a level play, playing field. But you know, budgets and things like that have to be taken into account. And it, it, it it's, pr- it's probably easiest way to describe it is basically when you run the schools as many years as we did every every end of every day that i was in charge of that is we used to stand there and, and make sure every shook everybody's hand to see them off their premises as it were and the thing that really came out was one of the questions that came out was you know yes john that was fantastic that day was we loved every second of it but how do we do it for real uh, and, and I think that's where it came from and I, I sat there one night looking at it and saying well well, again we've got all the equipment we know all the know-how we, we understand public liabilities and insurances and things like that we can make this work so instantly there was a course put together where people could not only buy little Johnny half a day at a rally school sort of thing for his Christmas present, but they could actually book there and then online an experience where they could actually turn up on the day and compete against another 150 cars. Now to do that, we had to have a uh, cars that are basically affordable and, and, and things like that. But it's always been a trait where we've always looked at the business side of things and gone, well, you know, The way we do it, we have to be affordable. We have to make it as affordable as we can. And I think that's the biggest thing is what what we've always done. And I always used to say to all our lads and girls, basically, you know, we're not pro-drive. If we got a big glass ivory tower you know we we'd be doing something differently maybe but what we have to do we have to make sure we do and this is what we've always maintained is we have to do as well as we can with what we've got and that that has always been something we've always stuck to and that's why cars you know reliability over the years who wants to hire a rally car that breaks down every 100 yards, sort of thing And, and that's the sort of policy we've always used by having affordable cars which are also then reliable, and, and and it puts more people into the sport.
1: Well, and and that's that's where I was going to go. To me, and again, um, at both both sides of the fence, outside of looking in, and also probably being in as well. That you know, rallying rallying for me, and I, you know, I did I did something the other week with with Luke Barry, with uh, Luke Barry, rather at Motorsport News, and this is how this kind of came about because you got me thinking about. Uh, a few things and i was one of those people who probably came to you at, at the end of uh one of the school days uh and said how oh, do i do this for real and and you know the response i got was be back here next sunday morning and that's what i did for a year you know i came back every sunday morning for a year uh um, yeah, yeah
2: that's so many people did. Yeah, and, and
1: and that's kind of how i found the way in but what it also what it also uh gave was an opportunity because there was a, there's a lot of people who like to tell you how difficult it is to do it. And there's a lot of people who like to tell you how, how expensive it is to do it as well. Um, and almost to put you off. I don't know what it is, but I almost get the feeling. Or I almost got the feeling at the time that people were purposely trying to put me off, even people within it. You know, you kind of go to How do I do this? Oh, you don't want to. You know, you, if you haven't got this, you're not going to be able to do anything. You know, you, you'll be nowhere. Or you have, if you haven't got this. And it's like it was like banging your head against the brick wall for me at the time. Uh, whereas all of a sudden. This is doable and this is achievable. And yes, it's going to cost, you know, a little bit of money, but it's not, it, it's achievable money. Um, you know, it's not, it's not telephone numbers. It was an amount of money where you go, okay, well, I can raise that money. You know, if, if I don't go out for, for three months, then I know I can do a rally. And, and that was kind yeah. of the way, it, where, where it got to. And I think there was so many people that, that it became so affordable to go rallying. And obviously, you know, people know you from from running, you know, god, nine, ten cars on BTR, the in one event, but you know, with with half a dozen staff, if that. And it became such an achievable thing for your average person to go rallying.
2: Well, yeah, exa- exactly that, really, because basically it, it was all about, you know, making it so that it opened it up to the wider audience. But you know, we don't forget we're in a sport even even today. So, for instance, uh, you know, if somebody said, "Look, what what's all this this stage rallying? What's it all about? How how do we get into it?" We're we're in a we're in a sport really that isn't really very approachable from that from that point of view uh, uh, and like if you want to go playing bowls or playing cricket or football as we know you know you just go down to your local park and tennis and anything but rallying is one of those sports even racing is easy, easy is more approachable but rallying especially stage rallying is very very difficult to sort of like break into with anything but it's all about cost as you mentioned you know using the affordable cars and many of them and we, we again the policy was the more metal we put out on the stages the cheaper it was for everybody to compete because you know we we as you said we there we 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 I don't think we've ever had a service crew more than four people, even when we've had ten cars out sort of thing. Like you know, we, it's always cut back to the minimum, but it's it's always worked as well. Like so, you know, I, I do believe that when I see some other service teams about with one car and they have ten people running down, I I very often wonder what's what's going on because they're tripping over each other. And as long as you've got four people there that know what they're doing, you know, it, it's it's all makes it all more affordable to everybody. On
1: I. I came into it and I was fascinated by one make championships and I still am, you know, it's something which I I still, I'm still really, really passionate about, probably picked some of it up from you, but equally um, it was, it was a bit, it always felt like a bit, a bit special, especially when we had the proper, you know, manufacturer yeah. one-make championships. So the KAs, right, yeah. the Scodas, the Polos, um, mm-hmm. obviously the Peugeot's, the two sixes and the one hundred sixes. You know, yeah. you know yeah. th- th- those championships turn up just on their own. Was a rally. You know, aside from all the you know the side order of what you would have got on top. You know, you think about the numbers that they used to to generate. The the, the KAs obviously was where, uh, if memory serves, you first came in with one makes. What was the what what enticed you to the to the KAs at that point as opposed to perhaps going you know to the 106s or or, or indeed the you know the, the Scoders which you, you latterly came to?
2: Well, the, Sc- the Scoders have been running an awful long time. I, I think you know as with lots of things, the Scoders were were probably seen to be you know that that l- at that level that you know they were very you know poor performance maybe I could say but when I can come to that and I'll prove that wrong in a second but basically you know I I looked at the Skoda for a couple of years and there was maybe 40 cars out in it which was incredible uh, to be able to do the Ford angle was basically because it's the the Ford Blue Oval and I had strong links with my Ford dealers and various things it it, it seemed so easy to sort of like say well hang on let's have a look at this and yes that that was I think it had run and one year, I think we we won it in '98, which was its uh, yeah '98, eight no '98, yeah '98 was its second year to run, and we won it that year. And basically. It was fantastic, we went to the Skoda, as you said after that, we went to the Skoda for just a quick one there, because the two championships matched up in Belgium, they they were both out on on the same championship, and I was amazed to find that the Skodas were actually quicker on the stages than the KAs. So I didn't think that the performance I thought that the Skoda's were lacking would, could be as bad as I thought they were. So the following year, we went out and bought Skoda's and won that as well. Like, so, you know, it it was uh, it was one of those things where the Skoda was probably, was it more competitive? I think it was because there were so many. There were so many, that was the thing. Uh, but the one challenge challenges, we've done the 106, the 206, the uh, Polos, as you know. It just makes level playing fields. Uh Yes, you can always spend a bit more money than maybe one of your competitors, but the level playing field doesn't really move, and and, and it, it all runs in the same ethos as we use. You you spend as little money as possible. I was the amount of times I've said over the years the drivers spend as little money as possible until Jeff Jones or somebody of the likes of taps you on the shoulder and says, "Right, we're here now. You need a shedful of it." So uh, the the, the one-make challenges certainly fit that bracket.
1: Um. Uh, the demise of of, of one makes which probably could be uh, a podcast within it within itself. You know, several yeah. several people have kind of half tried to to bring stuff back over the years. You know, obviously we we did the STS as well, and you know that, that that's now run independently in BTRDA, which is which which is great. But uh, do you think we'll ever see? You know, the big question is: Are we ever going to see um, a manufacturer type series again? Maybe, may, maybe we need the hybrid technology for for manufacturers. To go, do you know what? This is what we'll do: We'll showcase our little cars with hybrid technology, and all of a sudden, we've got a one-make championship. A bit like what's going on in, in Germany with the with the Corsa.
2: Yeah, well, uh, the, the the thing is, we we've got a sport. If you if you show up, go to the sharp end of the sport, we've got cars now competing that don't resemble anything like. They do in the showroom, as when Colin won the with his Subaru sort of thing. You know, I think that was the final years really. But you know, until we get back to competing, you know, further, up, you know, in those sort of areas with something that generates something like you know, we we talk about the electric powered cars and all this sort of thing. Until we can actually see cars that we recognise, I think it will be very difficult to to get a, a manufacturer on board. But you know. Uh, to be able to, to be able to do that I, I think we, we've got to look at the sport from grassroots up uh, to basically uh, come up with a system like that I'm afraid anymore I don't I don't think it's likely to happen in the near future anyway no.
1: the other thing which I, I've been watching some of the older you know just going back to the one mate series for, 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 for a second I've been watching some of the older footage and just seeing the number of and I' I'll, I'll, I'll use the term proper drivers. You know, people who who really, I suppose, with a bit more backing, probably would have would have went on and maybe had a career, or kind of partly had a career, but never quite maybe progressed to, to the World Rally Championship and into into a, a, a World Rally car. Do you still think we've got those people out there? Because now it's difficult, I suppose, to measure people. As such, do you still think we've got drivers out
2: there that? Oh yeah. yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, the the, the problem, the problem. Like I, some of my views are very controversial, as you know. You've come on the end of them one or two times, maybe. <laughs> but basically, you know, it, we what we need is a structure. It's to, it, like, let's face it, I could actually get my competition license back now uh, this coming year if we ever get back into the sport and and put an entry in with a, an R five world car into into you know let's let's say the British rally championship and you can get seeded well up there you know but what we had back in the day where we come from the motor News days into stage rallying and international uh, b international a with the mint the old Mintex championship into the one make challenges into the brc we had a structure where we can actually move the move the skills along nowadays you know we, you can't actually It insists people shouldn't spend money, Uh, but you can make the rules that stop them them trying to spend the money, as it were, and it's too easy for people now, wealthy people and people to go out now and spend lots of money for pleasure, which is fantastic, and buy a car that actually their their, their skills, you know, in in all uh, honesty – don't quite match the the car, as it were. And I, I'm not against the people doing that. You know, we, we had some great drivers even going back up into the old days at Ty cross, where people had turned up in a, in a fancy works car and, and it was our job to try and beat them sort of thing. So, you know, I, I'm not against that, but basically it's because there's no defined structure of the sport in the sport for young drivers to follow. And, and there's very little achievement on the way up until you get into match position now at BRC. Uh, there's very little, you know, along the way to to actually get your teeth into. I don't think, anyway.
1: I think you've, do you know what? I would kind of half forgot, and it was a series which I was massively uh, again, uh, probably because I think you were involved with it when I first got involved with you guys. But the Mintex series, which was kind of that no, buffer so, in between, you know, BTRD yeah. was Clubman, Mintex was um, you you were doing kind of 70, 80 mile rallies. It gave. A place for your wealthier people to go with world cars and stuff like that, but it also gave yeah. younger drivers a place to go um, with homologated, non-homologated cars uh, to, to go out and make notes and, and make that progression before they got to BRC. And and I don't know whether we could sustain another championship like that now, but we definitely lack something, as you've just said, in between, don't we?
2: Well, well, I, I think I think it is a, stain, a sustainable, basically myself. But basically, again, it, it it's the structure of it. You know, I, I can, I cause I used to co-drive back in them days for various people you know, on, on the Mentex and I can remember Dill is standing at the last main control on every event giving out a questionnaire, asking people what they wanted, what they don't. Yes, the the, 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 the Mintex championship did disappear uh, for various reasons, uh, and we won't go into all that maybe. But, you know, I think the fact that what we, do to, that we don't we do do nowadays, and this is what we've always done with the school and the body of what we've had with the rally schools and, and the higher business and everything like that, you have to give the customer what they're looking for, and I think at times that the, the sport of rallying doesn't actually ask the customer what they want to do. Uh, we we have a lot of rules and, and, and red tape and, and, and structures where where the, the competitor is actually not being asked what they what they want from the sport. And I think that's a lot of the problems we've got. I, I feel that, you know, w- when Dillis used to give us a questionnaire asking us to grade the event and what the stage, and everything about the thing, before you even left the la- last control, you'd have to fill it in. And I, I can't ever remember filling in a questionnaire on a rally for many, many years, as it were, about what the customer thought of it like, sort of thing. And I think that's why we get complacent in, and what we've done in the last twenty years, really, and uh, whilst we we keep pushing for these things, it's very difficult to get changes and the, make them the right changes.
1: Now, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask about the. Obviously, you sold the school. You 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 you, you carry on with the hire business for a period, and then you retired, and then you're unretired. Um, is that even a word? It's unretired. retired a yeah, word? I didn't,
2: I, I didn't quite actually get the retired done, really, did I? No, you didn't.
1: <laughs> um, something, again, we've, we've been talking about what makes, but something which you've been quite passionate about, and obviously, unfortunately, we've all been stumped a little bit motorsport-wise. Obviously, right now, what's going on? But something which you, you were working on last year and, and spoke to me about a few times was this, the, the mini series that you've put together, which uh, which has got a, a, a nice mix and spread of, of, of different different things in it, not just necessarily you know stage rallying. I think there's the hill climbs in there and stuff like that. Is this returning back to what you kind of you 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 know and love? Is this is this was the idea behind this?
0: Well,
2: yeah, yes, it, 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 it it's something how it started it was basically when I. Like, every time I opened my emails up, I was getting requests of asking for a car to hire for a certain rally and things like that, and I I looked at uh, where all the cars had gone. We'd sold 20-some-odd cars, and I thought, well, where are all these cars we've sold? They're not being used, and when I asked, it was the case of people had bought them because they loved driving them and hiring offers. Lots of people actually said, well, yes, we've now bought the car, which we, we couldn't afford to do before, so we bought the car, but now we can't afford to go and compete. So I had to look at it all over again and say, well, let's find a championship and a car that we can all use, because that's why all the cars and the higher cars you've driven for us and things like that over the years, when we when we thought of a car to use, the car had to be there, like the little micro K11, for instance. They were everywhere at the time. Uh, so we had to find a car that was sort of like affordable now, and there was plenty of them. To, to fill the gaps up when you needed a bonnet or a whatever like sort of thing and whilst the Mini Cooper wasn't really high up on my list of priorities initially when I started looking into it uh, it soon become apparent that, that, that yes you can buy plenty of them for very little money and we can have some affordable fun the hill climb bit was the first round that obviously got cancelled was just to, uh, to basically get everybody together, to break the ice and meet all of your fellow competitors and things like that. We're, we did look at Rallycross and things like that, but that didn't quite come up like the 205 Championship did. But it, it was... It, it was just supposed to be its first year so we, we went out we went about it choosing events which we thought was affordable where we could we knew where we thought we'd be welcomed uh, and it's a bit disappointing you know we've got we've got some people lots of people on board we've got good sponsors on board uh, it's a bit disappointing but it's the same for everybody so we can't really you know get too concerned there we've just got to see what happens and, and take it into next year hopefully or the finish end of this year. So you know, it, it, it's just basically me doing what we've always done, and that's trying to cater for people who want to try our sport out. But uh, you know, it, it's been knocked in the teeth a little bit and as, as we are.
1: Okay, well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna take me as, as a twenty, early twenty-something person back to that moment where I said, "Right, John, I want to, I want to get into this." Let's imagine, let's imagine we've got another. T- young 20-something Tony Simpson who's just approached you. Right, John, I want to get into this. What do we do?
2: Again, you know, purely, as I said before, you know, spend as little as possible. You know, the, the juniors, were was a, we didn't do the juniors just, Tony, uh, just this, Tony, to be honest. We, we basically started something with the formerly 1,000 Club, which was fantastic, and we got into the juniors, driving at 14 and all that. We didn't, we saw there was an opportunity there There were several drivers within those first years of the Junior Championship. There were several drivers that could have gone on on to be the next Colin McRae. There's no doubt about it, in my view. The first event I ever saw, I stood there and watched him in awe, thinking, what are we producing here? This is something special. And it it failed. It failed in the respect that the sport failed, not the, the championship failed. The sport failed in trying to devise a way to actually help these drivers through the sport everybody finished with the juniors one dashed off and did a, a world rally car another dashed off and did something else you need to keep skill the skills together so that actually the skills can grow it all went off and like a, a, a jigsaw sort of then got broken up and basically all those drivers ended up competing against other drivers in different championships whereas if the We'd have looked after them properly. We'd have had a, a, a 17-year-old championship, a 22-year-old championship, or whatever, something along those sort of lines, where we held them all together, in a, it, where, where we could nurture them and watch them grow into the future of the sport. And we were guilty of that. There's no question about it. We were guilty of that, not not looking after the young drivers who have come through the juniors. We, we need the sport. The governing body needs to find a way. Of protecting them and bringing them on in a better manner than the Because you, you know, as I said before, you don't need sheds full of money until such times as you as you've got the massive skills that you need. You know, we we, we know very well that that even going back to the the KA championship was when uh, Stig was still contracted to Ford, and basically Stig used to come out and act. Dale and I think, did one as well. Uh, was basically where those drivers come out and competed against the current drivers in the cars and they, they blew our drivers away so there's got to be a reason why that car can be driven faster and, and people tend to just stop themselves and say right, we've driven them as best we can and basically we now need to spend another load of money well, I'm sorry but basically there'll always be somebody that will come along and drive that car quicker and those are the sort of things we should be looking for is keep everybody together better and look after them and find you know the champions through Driver skills, as opposed to uh, maybe sometimes through you know spending money, as it were.
1: I think the only other thing that I, I can kind of add to that is is uh, is there a way that we can? What's the better? You must have dealt with hundreds, thousands. Anybody who's worked at a rally school who's listening to this will re- will, will, will will get this because we all we, we all have to go through it. Um, you you, so you can disengage. Uh, you can disengage a brake servo. You can disengage so many things in a vehicle, but you find it very difficult to disengage an ego. <laughs>
2: yeah we're all world champions aren't we you know, that, <laughs> you know I've met thousands of them and, 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 and that, there's nothing wrong with that don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with that but you know we, we, we have to be, and I think that's why me and you have stayed so loyal to each other in the sport basically we all know where what our positions are in life like I've worked with world champions you've worked with world champions and teams and drivers and things I, you know I've been all you know I've sat alongside Tommy Mackinan and people like that and you know I, I, I've Quite happy sitting alongside Tommy MacInnen, but I'm also quite happy sitting alongside somebody who's never driven a car before, and, and, and you have to understand where. Well, hang on a minute. We, there's a place for everybody in the sport as long as everybody realises what their station is, and you know that that is one of the things that stays dear to me. Is is basically. Understanding what people should be trying to obtain it out of the sport, you can, you know, you can, you can be a terrible driver and actually still enjoy the sport. Let's face it, you know, you haven't got to be a world champion just to enjoy the sport of rallying.
1: Well, and, that, and that's kind of where I was going before because you know, there's a lot said about you know, you, and, and quite rightly so. You were talking about the juniors coming through, but I think the other thing that was quite unique during my time of of, of, of driving, you know, your cars and, and stuff. Over the years, the amount of customers that I seen come through that you know you had you'd had your salesman from you know the 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 the, the uh, I don't know for example you know a car dealership you know 50, 50 miles up the road who wanted to come in and have his experience because his family had have put him for his fortieth or whatever it may be you know a lot of those guys that came through and and, and girls of course um, were people coming in to have that experience and and some people did stay. But, you know, some people also kind of moved away and, you know, they, they kind of it's like that tick box experience of, you know, it's a parachute jumping. I've done it once. I'm quite happy. I've done it now. I've got out my system. You know, the, it's just as important to give those people, I think, you know, somewhere to go, because at the end of the day, anybody who goes rallying, who enjoys it, whether they've done it once or whether they do it a hundred times, there are salespeople. There are people that are cool. going out telling people about the sport.
2: Well, they, that's exactly right because basically this is what I say about asking people what they, they want out of the sport and that you know, you know, taking the customers. Like if you look at any business, any business in this country, it's all about customers. Like you know, we haven't got a business if we haven't got customers, and the customers are there who want to go rallying, and we we, we tend to sometimes build brick walls in front of the sport trying to to stop them joining us. I think at times so. You know, I, I, it's it's one of those things I'm passionate about, as you well know, and it's sometimes seen as, you know, like nobody knows me. When you started off at the beginning of the program, you talk about everybody probably knows RallySchool.co.uk. They don't know me because, you know, I I, 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 I I'm there for Rally School. I'm not and the drivers. I'm not there for me. I, I'm one of these people that prefer to be in a pair of jeans with covered in oil and. And more can be disappear out, out in the background sort of thing. So it's it's it's, a, it's making the sport more transparent to people who want to have a try. And as I said, you don't have to be a winner to enjoy the enjoy the rally. And some of our best customers just enjoy the sport. You know, as you say, you know we we were doing something like 100 hires a a year uh, quite easily, and and they were customers that. You know, they did two or three rallies, you never see them again. They, they picked a box and they go off doing something else. Um,
1: I've got to ask whether whether you've actually sat down and worked this out and whether you've actually tried to, I'm not entirely sure, whether you could actually get to the number. Have you worked out how many people actually hired cars from you
2: over that period of time? No. No, <laughs> I, no I, I wouldn't. It's Again, you know, it, it, it's... I'd like to think that uh, you know you said about this, there's lots of people like yourself still out there. You know there's lots of people you know from the very first days competing uh, are still out there competing. But you know it's one of those things where it's about them competing. It's not about what we've done. We're still here trying to trying to maybe do it with the minis, recreate what we started maybe 30 years ago, sort of thing. But it's just a part of the sport that, that I felt that, uh, you know, it, 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 it lacks at times. And, uh, you know, we're, we're here for everybody. You know, everybody will ask me a question and whether they get the right answer. Or, you know, it's up to them. But, you know, it doesn't matter what question you ask. You get three different answers from everybody. But somebody's actually probably telling you right sort of thing. So you have to decide that bit sort of thing. But uh, it's one of those things where, you know, the sport is there for lots more people than we actually welcome it to you know we we, we don't actually you know rally first was fantastic mike uh, mike Broaden people and myself and got rally first off the ground that that was successful but that changed a little bit when they stopped the seeding and we lost cars and they didn't come back again and we need to look at it again and it's now changed yet again but we you should, you know you know from your business you can never ever take your finger off the pulse you've got to be looking at ways all the time to change things and bring it on to to make the, the sport more obtain accessible to, to more people as it were and I think we're guilty of not being able to do that at times
1: so you know we have people listening to listening to us uh, from all over the world from all over and you know competitors marshals you know fans and, and such like. If 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 somebody wants to get involved in in the minis maybe in the future, what's the best way of them getting in contact?
2: Well, whether it be the minis or or, or any other sport, obviously you know the schools are the first port of call, but you know joining your local motor club will, will, will help you on, you know. But it, it, it's I think probably we the sport itself needs needs a, a body of people where. People can pick the phone up to to the likes of Jeff Jones and, and people like Jeff uh, to get some advice as to what to do and what not to do. Uh, you know, you know, what it's like now trying to ring or contact people, uh, and we haven't we haven't got those people at the end of the phone but you know by all means join your local motor club start off with doing you know the little road rallies or whatever but the sport if done properly you don't you don't have to have a, a pot of gold at the bottom of the garden so to speak it, it can still be done at a, a relatively low cost and that's what we're trying to do with the minis
1: If and if people want to get get into a mini what's the best way get in contact you, with you via the, the facebook page I guess or?
2: yeah the facebook page uh, the, 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 the rally MePay uh, website is still running so basically that is still available with the information on but the social media nowadays is, is probably the best way to do it.
1: Happy days. John, thanks so much for joining us on Absolute Rally. No, thank you. This is Absolute Rally hope you enjoyed the chat i uh, would Neil and with john and as i say if uh, if if you did enjoy it, if you could share about that'd be great um five star reviews do always help as i always say if you could do that that would be fantastic and um yeah as i say without keelder and without what we're trying to do we genuinely wouldn't be it it is a you know a combination of the two of us really trying to support some good causes that's why the podcast is being made right now uh, it's not for any other reason other than the fact that we want to try and help and give a little bit back so if you could support that's great get it it's a tough time if you can't not a problem at all tell you what if you can't introduce a friend to the podcast who may not already be listening to it how about that there you go that sounds fair doesn't it if you could do that that'd be fantastic um anyway so next week's podcast i'm not going to tell you who it's going to be yet and not because i don't know because i do know i just don't quite know we're going to put it out yet because it is an epic long uh, conversation i had with somebody and i still haven't quite decided whether it's going to be one or two parts that's how long that conversation is and it's fantastic it, it's it's a driver through who we would know from wrc from irc from brc um and it goes through the 10 years of of their career and it's a fascinating insight into some of the things that perhaps you don't realize goes on behind the scenes as well which is what these chats are all about um so uh, so yeah so tune in for that one for next week but in the meantime um again keep safe stay at home if you can um and just look after one another be kind we'll be back same time same place in little podcast hall next week
0: absolute rally powered by the keel works team spread the word and download the podcast every week